Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, folks, what I'm going to be talking about today is a recap of the 21 to 20 win over ECU. I told y'all I was bringing y'all a, a post game episode today as well. So I'm going to be giving you my immediate reaction. Um, to the game, and I'll, I'll give you some more settled thoughts about it on on Monday. But these are just going to be my immediate reactions uh, to the game, as well as how the team performed against Ken's Keys. Again, I didn't give the full three and three as I normally do. I just gave four uh, that I felt like were going to be important coming out of this game. And I'm going to tell you some of the things I saw from this game that I'm concerned about, some of the things I'm not concerned about, and, and everything in between. Because when you come away with a one point win. Uh, when you're favored by double digits coming in and when you're going up against a group of five team, there's obviously going to be some some questions, some comments, some concerns from the fans. So I'm going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Wolfpack. You are Locked on Wolfpack. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, folks, let's just get this thing started with what we saw in the game today, okay? 21-20, this was a game that I have openly said, did we deserve to win it? Probably not. But we won it anyway. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. We went in, we uh, originally trailed seven to zero after ECU put up their first, uh, to put up the first points of the game on, I believe it was a seam route uh, or a post. It might have been a seam that uh, was like an option right into a post, but however it worked out, there was a, a ball hit up the seam to CJ Johnson, where our safeties and corners took a very bad angle. All he had to do was continue running in what seemed like a straight line after he caught the ball. Very concerning, right? And that was after we had caught a pick, couldn't do anything with it, and uh, punted the ball right back. But with that being said, we then went on to score 20 straight points unanswered. Um, Seven of those came by way of a punt block. And from there, ECU made the game extremely close, scoring, um, scoring, putting up exactly 20 points, uh, missing an extra point and a very makeable game-winning field goal that helped NC State get the win. Now, in talking about this game, I just want to go over uh, some box score things and all that good stuff. And and I want to tell you about, again, how this team did against the keys that I laid out before the game and all the things along those lines. Because I think that there's a lot of, a lot of, I think that there's a lot of very negative energy surrounding this game that, like, honestly, I, I kind of don't get it a little bit, okay? So, we start off uh, by looking at the the total yardage from Devin Leary. Uh, he was 17 to 33, 211 yards, one touchdown, one interception, uh, as opposed to Cole Naylor's, who was 25 to 41 for 274 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Demi Sumo was a breakout star of this game. Um, Sean Brown may have been the only player who was less heralded and had as big or bigger of an impact. Sean Brown made a big tackle on special teams and was the person that recovered the pump block in the end zone. 
Uh, but Demi Sumo had 14 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. And he just he seemed to have his way running the ball as long as NC State wasn't within uh, five yards of the goal line the entire game. But now here's the thing, okay? NC State wins this game in what is just a, a, a just a really tough fashion. Like a, it's like a Walmart two dollar steak. You know, it gets the job done. You're probably not going to be hungry after, but it probably ain't the best thing that you ever had. It's not a thing that you're wishing and hoping to come back to. That's just the reality of what we're seeing here uh, in terms of this game. So when I look at that and I say, why? How did this happen? Why should you feel about all that good stuff? I simply say this. This game and some of the reactions I've seen have been just very far out there. And I say that from the standpoint of, realistically, NC State did not play a good game from a multitude of areas. So let's go up against the keys that I laid out for the team to win the game uh, in Kings Keys before the game. Established a run, rushed for 150 yards. They rushed for 134 between the backs, 134 between uh, Demi and and Jordan Houston. Um, So 0 for 1. I said that they needed to force mistakes. They needed to turn uh, Holden Naylor's over. Two interceptions, one of two. I said that Devin Leary needed to go off for 300-plus yards, 211, one touchdown, one interception. And I said that they could not allow any explosive returns and that we had to win the special teams battle. We not only didn't give up a, a crazy return, but we blocked the punt and scored a touchdown off that. So we were two or four against the Keys. And I know, I, I'm sure that when I said, oh, Devin Leary has to do certain things, I'm sure that there were a lot of people who probably looked at me crazy and said, well, of course Devin Leary's going to do it. Devin Leary's going to deliver it. It's just how it happens. It didn't. It didn't happen today. Again, I'm, I'm never going to tell you something. I'm never just going to say something just to say it. The reality is Devin Leary had the worst game that he's played in quite some time. And that put NC State's entire season in jeopardy in game one. And that's that's something that you just you can't have. You can't have a situation where you're not knowing which Devin Leary is going to show up from week to week because he's undoubtedly the leader of this team. Point blank period. Everybody has always already said the team goes as he goes. That's the truth. There was such a talent disparity between us and ECU that the team was able to go in the opposite direction of where he was going because he struggled mightily this game. Struggled mightily. So there was a big enough talent discrepancy to overcome that to win in spite of his performance today. That would not be the case for the rest of these games. It just won't be. So there's that. And one more thing I want to talk about. So I said the score was going to be 42 to 24, okay? I already told you Devin Leary had his worst game in a while, but I'm going to break down how how rare and how bad he was today. But I said the score was going to be 42 to 24, okay? ECU missed an extra point and a field goal. They were set to score exactly 24 points if they just make the plays that are seemingly mundane. NC State had the ball twice inside the five-yard line. Barry set to score 35, and that's even with Devin Leary having a terrible game. Hey, listen, I'm not going to lie to you and say I don't enjoy saying I told you so. Not going to lie to you. 
You know what I mean? I, I'm very aware that if ifs and buts were berries and nuts, squirrels would never starve. But hear me out. If you look at how this game goes on paper, 99% of the time when you include all the factors, I was pretty close. I was pretty close. But anyway, with that being said, um, this game was one that, again, coming out of uh, Greenville, you you basically sneak away in and, and come away by the skin of your teeth and all that good stuff. I think that Dorn should be happy that fans are as upset as they are because that means that the the expectations have been reset. That's what that means. The reality of this is it's a lot like how Nick Saban, when he's winning a ton of games, but they, they aren't blowing folks out. Everybody's like, oh, they're a bad team. Very similar situation. Not in that he's Nick Saban. I'm not saying he's that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. What I'm saying is your expectations as a team culture what the fans see. And honestly, I would much rather have the fans be upset with me about barely beating um, ECU than I would have the fans saying, oh, man, we saw this coming from a mile away. We knew you were going to struggle. So there's that. And and we're we're going to get into um, the bit by bit of, of how this thing happened. But before we go into break, just a clear reminder, when we talk about um, what this team did against the Keys, again, they accomplished half, didn't accomplish another half. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about things that concerned me about this victory, things that, you know, had me scratching my head saying what's going on and things that I'm like, eh, it's all right. That's that's a one off situation. But now I've got to talk to you about something that is much more serious than football, and that is impaired driving. Please understand if you're one of those people that thinks it's okay to drive stone and you say to yourself, what's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. Very wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow down when you're high. You only, you not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. If you drive high, you get a DUI. So stay safe and stay off the roads if you've had any type of substances like this in your body. All righty. So the next thing I want to talk about is the things that I'm concerned about and the things that I'm like, "Mm, not really a big deal. Okay. One of the things that I'm very, very concerned about is the amount of penalties we had. Eight penalties for 73 yards. Eight penalties for 73 yards. Now, I know a lot of people might hear that and say, oh, well, that isn't that bad. Think about it this way. Football is a game of inches. We all know that. But if you measure it out in yards, a touchdown, the furthest you can possibly go from one end zone to the other is how long? 100 yards, right? 100 yards, that's it. The reality is when you give up 73 yards worth of penalties, you're in essence guaranteeing the opponent a touchdown that they would have, that they would not have had otherwise. As we saw on ECU's last touchdown drive, they scored a touchdown on a drive that was enabled by penalties, or maybe it was their second to last touchdown drive. But either way it goes, one of their touchdown drives was greatly aided by a face mask on a tackle the penalties have to stop. The penalties have to be a one-off. That's 
And, and that's something that I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. I do not know if this team has it in them. Because if you remember last year, in some of our worst games, in some of the moments where we fumbled the ball the most, or metaphorically, of course, where we dropped the ball, where we didn't do what we were supposed to do in the most egregious of ways, it happened because of penalties. That's what happened. That's what happened. So when I'm I'm looking at what happened here and, and how um, this game was, was won or lost, the reality is having penalties come up again in the way that they did, having penalties lead to touchdown drives in the way that they did, can we knock on the door and go back to Wake Forest last year? Can we take a trip down memory lane and remember how many times we had them in third and long, fourth and long, and a penalty bailed them out? That's that's something that we've got to get cleaned up. We have got to, got to, got to get it cleaned up. And on sticking to the trend of things that we saw last year that seem to have carried over, our play calling from the 10 and in, what is going on with our goal line offense? It cost us the game last year at Mississippi State. It nearly cost us the game today in Greenville. What is going on? Why do we not have, why do we not have, let me say this one more time and very slowly, why do we not have a few plays committed to memory that we know when I run this, this is going to get us three yards. As sure as the sun rises on the east and sets on the west, I am going to line up in this formation and we're going to get those two, three yards. Why are we getting in the shotgun at the half-inch line? Not even yard line, the half-inch line. What are we doing? If you don't go and say, hey, listen, we're going to line up in the shotgun. Trent, what I want you to do is motion underneath, uh, is act like you going from the wing, motion underneath the center, take the snap, grab the ball, turn your legs. That's all I need you to do. Or, oh, Trent is out because he was hurt. Hey, Demi, the same deal. All right, we're going to uh, split you out as if you're um, on a wing, and then I'm going to send you in motion, and then I want you to stop right under the center, snap the ball, boom, turn your legs. We'll see what we can get, okay? The reality is, the thing that I don't understand is, how are we so unable? How are we having so much difficulty? How? In, in getting it done, in this part of the field. And here's the part of it that's most concerning to me. We are a group of power five team. They're a group of five team. There's naturally going to be a size difference in our offensive line and their defensive line. There's naturally going to be a very big size difference. How are we not able to muster three yards when it matters? Why are we lining up in shotgun, which means you're moving your back and your quarterback back five yards to get one forward. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's nonsense. Why are we running Jordan Houston at the goal line when we've got a guy that's a lot bigger and runs a lot stronger? No offense to Jordan Houston. Not saying that he isn't a good ball player. Not saying he doesn't have things that I'm sure that he does a lot better than uh, Demi. But why are we running him at the goal line? And then for Jordan, 
Why are you not securing the ball at the goal line? Everybody knows when you're going through trash, two hands on the ball, there is no more trashy, mucky, messy area than the goal line. And so with that being said, how, where are we coming from? What's going on when we get down there that our, our brains just turn into mush? We figure out how to move the ball between the 20s or between the 10s and all that good stuff. But why when we get down to that and goal-to-go or goal-to-go situations, all of a sudden, we can't figure out nothing. We can't figure out. We don't know crap from Shinola when we get down to the five-yard line. That is concerning for me. Very concerning. All of those things, very concerning for me. And I, I, part of me, part of me wants to add in our outside cornerback play, but there were some moments where they really did, Sean, they really did play good ball. But again, that's against ECU's receivers. Not saying the ECU's receivers are just god awful or anything like that. We will play better talent. It's just a reality. So there's that. Here's the things that do not concern me as much. And, and I'm not really um, as invested in worrying about because worrying about them is either A, futile, or, or B, doesn't make sense. The first one is Devin Leary's performance. Let me explain something to you, okay? Devin Leary is who he is. He's a great player. Even great players are allowed to have off nights, off games. It's just a reality. It's just a reality, right? Unless we're talking about guys who win the Heisman and that's your bar, then sure, most Heisman winners don't have an off game. Absolutely. But he, well, let me not even say that. They don't have an off game in their actual Heisman campaign. Most do not. Sure, I'll give you that. But the reality is over, over the course of a career, you're going to see games like this. You're going to see games like this, and that's okay. But the reason that that is not concerning to me, that was his worst game uh, in terms of QBR since November 30th, 2019. Last time Devin Leary played that poorly, none of us knew what COVID was. You get what I'm saying? Like, this is, it's been a thousand and eight days since he had a QBR that was as low, if not lower, than um, he did this game. So when I'm looking at the the little things that he did wrong that definitely hurt the team, right? Like you have Devin Carter deep and you lead him too far to the sideline. Like the, the, the fact that he was throwing ducks up, the interception where he was targeting Thayer Thomas was definitely a duck. There were multiple plays where he had guys open and, and kind of was late on getting the ball out or anything like that. When I look at those things and I say, well, how does this happen? How does this happen? I very simply say, he's human. He's human. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, uh, call the young man everything but a good Christian because he had a bad game. That's all right. That's all right. Now, if that becomes a trend, if that becomes a pattern to where we're seeing multiple bad games from you, now that's a concern. Absolutely. Absolutely. But a guy that all in all has been phenomenal uh, all last year for the parts of 2020 that he started, I really and truly don't know what we're doing sitting here, you know, arguing or going back and forth about, well, what's all live and da 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 da. It's craziness. It's craziness. Another thing is the injury bug, right? If you look at uh, Peyton Wilson getting hurt and and um, Trent Penix getting hurt and all that good stuff, 
the reality is I think it's pretty futile to worry about injuries from the standpoint of like, what are we going to do about it? Even if it does come, you kind of got to strap them on next man up and make it happen. You know, it's, it's, that's the reality of it. And so it's not much, again, it's not much of a point of beating a dead horse and, and just screaming your head off about um, who's in or who's out or what's going on or whatever the case may be. I just, I, I don't think that there's much uh, utility to that one. And I think another uh, thing that's not concerning to me is is the running back battler, who is running back number one. I think that we saw that Demi is um, definitely more of the style of runner that would benefit NC State in, in a lot of these types of games. But it's a, it's a very small sample size. It's a very small sample size. So it'll be hard to say, well, um, Demi needs to be a starter from here going forward or whatever the case may be based off one game, right? We saw Jordan Houston in 2019, did a lot of good things for this team, did a lot of good stuff. We we continue to see. We're going to continue to go on and see uh, how things play out there. So we're about to land this thing, but just a quick word from our sponsors, and I'll be right back with you, okay? All righty, so we're about to land this thing, but I, I think there's one more thing that I want to talk about, just one more. I understand the concern. I understand the frustration in seeing a game where in a year where we have higher expectations than we ever have, we came out and did almost everything we could to wet the bed in game one. I understand that. I am not arguing that I don't understand that. However, a lot of Wolfpack Nation has to relax. Coach Doran says something about this game that I have long been a believer of, that I will still be a believer in, and that this game definitely reaffirms for me. It doesn't count any different than if we won by 100. He's right. He's right. If you say, which one would you rather have? I'll, I'll put it to you like this, okay? Which one would you rather have? A season full of 12 wins over teams that are the caliber of an ECU? or a season of 12 losses against 12 close losses, like the one we had in 2013 against uh, the likes of Clemson's that are going to go on to win championships. I mean, that's the reality. And we deserve to win that, that Clemson game probably a lot more than we did this one. Sure. But it doesn't always work out that way. And honestly, I think that this was a best case scenario because this wasn't a, a, you know, we dominated by a thousand and we smelling ourselves in a way. These coaches will go back and have so much to coach up on and their players will be more inclined to listen because they'll know that they were this close, this close to losing out on the national respect that they worked so hard to gain. They were this close to dropping out of the top 25 altogether. They were this close to doing all those things. It'll be easier to do this uh, with this situation, to coach guys up in this situation than it is to coach guys up after a 77-0 a win. It's the reality. Because when, when folks start winning by those big amounts, oh, you know, I'm King Dingling. Nah, you can't tell me nothing, coach. I, you know, I don't care how long you've been doing this, man. I'm on the field. I'm doing my thing. They can't stop me. Sometimes you need a bit of humble pie, but to get that bit of humble pie with a W, it's honestly a win-win. 
is honestly a win-win. And and to take it a step further, and I know I'm not trying to get ahead of myself and talk too much in the future about this team, but because as we saw Saturday, or as we saw today, rather, because I'm recording this right after the game, as we saw today, the reality is this team needs to show up every single week. However, however, there have been plenty of conference champions and even the occasional playoff team and even one or two national champions who have had a game or two where they played like complete and utter dog crap. And if you don't believe me, look at last year's ACC champ. Pitt came out of, out of nowhere to everybody late last season. How did they come out of nowhere? How did nobody see them coming? Because they lost to Western Michigan, and everybody instantly wrote them off. Hmm? I'm just saying. I'm just The reality is this is one game. It was a bad game, but it was a win. So let's stop with all this. There's no way we should have been ranked at all, and we just lost too much, and we'd be lucky to get to seven wins this year. Stop it. Relax. Relax. One bad game a bad team does not make. It's, it's, it's one bad game. And the, the hope and the belief is that this is the worst showing, the worst outing we'll see from State this year. That's the hope and the belief. Because at the end of the day, again, it's one game, and I'm not ready to, to tell this team what they are, not tell them what their ceiling is after one game. Now, if you tell me that that uh, Devin Leary isn't going to get better than this, then yes, I can I can firmly say, all right, there is a very good point about ceiling. However, again, you have to go back about 1,008 days from today to get the last time Devin Leary had a lower QBR in the game. I think this team is going to be just fine. I think they're going to circle the wagons, figure out what went wrong. And I think they're going to do what needs to be done to accomplish the goals they have laid out for this season. But just give them some grace. Give them a chance. Wolfpack Nation, I know that we have seen teams time and time and time again snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. We know that NC State stuff is real. But don't you know, chastise these young men and call them everything but good Christians because they won a game. But it just wasn't in a way that you thought it was going to be. Knock it off. Knock it off. All right? I think this team's going to be fine, and we'll get back to the regularly scheduled um, bit-by-bit breakdown of, of who we have next week and going unit-by-unit unit, uh, next week, now that we've got a little film on, on almost everybody. All right? Thank y'all so very much for coming out, Wolfpack Nation. I appreciate y'all. Y'all make this show what it is every single time. Peace and love, y'all. And as always, go Pack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 